You are listening to The North Podcast, a ministry of Mount Perrin North in Marietta, Georgia. Good morning, I'm Pastor Ryan, one of the pastors here at the church. If you don't know me, I am the short, red-headed mustache guy running around this place. <laughs> I'm glad to be with y'all. It is such an honor to get to speak God's word to God's people. So I'm so glad to be with you. And I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. And as I say that, if you're like me, you're like, oh yeah, Thursday was Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Because even before the parade was over and Santa showed up on your screen, you were like, gotta have a Christmas list, Christmas food. You're already thinking ahead. Some of you even right now are like, when are we gonna go get the tree? When are we gonna decorate the house? You've got all these things in your head. And I, I get it. I love Christmas so much. Uh, To be transparent with you, I had my Christmas decorations up long before Thanksgiving started. Yeah, some of y'all are proud of me and others of you are judging me hardcore. But I am not faced. I have Old Holy Night stuck in my head right now. Right now I have it stuck in my head and you can't get it out and neither can I. I have tried, it is in there. So don't at me about that. To be real honest with you, I actually call Thanksgiving first Christmas. And some of you, I heard the the pain in some of y'all's voices. I've really offended some of you, but they're so similar. We do so many of the same things on Thanksgiving that we do on Christmas. But don't get me wrong, I love Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving so much, I made a Thanksgiving playlist because I felt like Christmas was not the only season that deserved its own soundtrack. And I, I love it. One of my favorite things about Thanksgiving is when we gather as a family and one by one, we go around and say the thing throughout that year that we're most thankful for. I mean, the day can be the most chaotic, stressful, frustrating, irritating thing possible. But the moment that we all express our gratitude the environment just changed. The temperature changes in the room. Suddenly, it's just full of mutual respect, kindness, love. It's such a beautiful thing. And so if you will allow me, I wanna talk to you about the power of gratitude. Because there's very few things as powerful as the words, thank you. It's such a powerful thing. In fact, God instructs us to offer thanks. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Be thankful when you get that job that you've been applying for. And also be thankful on that day that that job is so stressful and there's way too much work and not enough staff to get it all done. Be thankful when your kids all go to bed on time without complaining. I assume that's a thing. I've never experienced that in my life as a parent. And be thankful on that day when your kids are wiling out and stressing you to the max. Be thankful when your house is full of family and friends and loved ones. And when it's so empty and you just feel so alone. Be thankful when everyone you love is healthy and on that dreadful day when they let you know that that tumor is not benign. Be thankful in all circumstances. Maybe today you're in one of those moments of pain and difficulty. 
and you're stressed out and you're worried. And over this Thanksgiving time period, you were like, what, what if I have to be thankful for? There's so many things that are stressing me out. There's so many things that are going wrong. How can I express gratitude? Well, I wanna turn your attention, no matter where you're at today, to uh, some scripture in Joshua chapter three and four to learn this lesson on the power of gratitude of pausing and recognizing what God can do, will do, and has done, especially in the face of difficulty. In Joshua chapter three, we find God's chosen people of the Old Testament, the Israelites, on the edge of the promised land that they have been promised to their ancestors. And 40 plus years ago, God freed the Israelite people out of slavery from Egypt, as Savannah was talking about. He showed off his power with 10 plagues on Pharaoh and the Egyptians. Then he split the Red Sea in half for them to walk across on dry ground. And then he turned that Red Sea faucet on just in time for them to cross, be on the other side safely, and all of their former slave masters to be washed away, them, their horses, and their chariots. And it was an incredible victory, a moment of celebration. But for this group, that was 40 years ago, an entire lifetime for some of them. And now they've been wandering around in the wilderness. And looking at a map that I've got here, they're on the edge of the wilderness on the east side of the Jordan River. You see the Dead Sea and just above it is the Jordan River. And they're there at the right dot and they're trying to get across to Israel. But it's a little bit of a journey to cross. At this time, there's about 3 million Israelites. And they're a formerly slave nation without a home, so swim lessons is probably not a luxury that they had. And getting the people across the Jordan was gonna be this tedious, laborious task of building boats with equipment and supplies that they didn't have. They just had what they were carrying on their backs. And plus, if they were able to cross on boats, the enemy could have found out and just taken them out one crossing at a time. So this is likely a very stressful, anxiety-filled moment for the Israelite people. They don't want to go back to the wilderness and wandering around there. I mean, there in the wilderness, God was providing food for them, literally raining down from heaven called manna. He was miraculously providing water out of rocks for them. He was guiding them by a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And now God's saying, you gotta leave. I'm not gonna be here anymore. And they're thinking, well, if you're not gonna be here, we're not gonna survive without you. And plus they want more for themselves and for their children and their families. They want a home to call their own, but they fear the enemy ahead of them, wiping them and their children off the face of the earth. And so they're full of so much uncertainty in this moment. And it's in this dark moment of anxiety that God uses Joshua to teach his people the power of gratitude and the impact of celebrating what God could do, will do, and has done. Joshua gathers his people in the book of Joshua, chapter three, starting in verse nine through 13. Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the word of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you. 
and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. See, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth, that's the holy consecrated container that held the stone tablets that had the 10 commandments on them. It was the physical and representative presence of God. That ark, it says, yet that ark, when it enters into the Jordan, will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. We're gonna find out what those men are assigned to do in just a moment, so hold that thought. Verse 13, and as soon as the priest who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream, will be cut off and stand up in a heap. God is declaring through Joshua that he's about to do for these people now what he did for their parents crossing the Red Sea here now in the Jordan River. This is probably a very exciting moment for some and for others filled them with even more doubt and dread because the Jordan River wasn't certainly as large as the Red Sea, but it was still about 100 foot across. It was about 10 foot deep. So this, this could be a miraculous, incredible moment, but it could also be a very dangerous one. What if this Joshua guy is not all that he's saying he is? I mean, they're still learning to trust him and his relationship with God. And even if they are able to cross the Jordan River safely, by crossing, they're gonna be entering into hostile territory. And it's not like they had two crossings. They were all going over together. Yeah, they had the military lead them, but they still had all the women and children right behind them, crossing together into this military hot zone. And yes, they had the promise of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but all of these men are now gone. And they're still trying to figure out whether they trust Moses' protege, Joshua, to really lead them, that he's actually ready for this. Joshua 3, 15 through 16 tells us more. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during the harvest. Oh yeah, did I mention that the Jordan River is moving faster and it's wider than it is normally during the season? I bet you that there's some Israelites there that were like, you know, 40 years we've been waiting for this moment. And now, what can we can wait a few more days for this thing to calm down a little bit, right? And yet, it says, yet as soon as the priest who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Serethin, while the water flowing downstream to the Sea of Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. Wow, wow, wow. And isn't it like God to wait until the odds are stacked against him to show off his incredible strength and power to each of us? Man, he showed up and showed that he is still the God of the earth that he made. And he's still the same God that he was for their parents splitting that Red Sea. He did right there in the Jordan River. It's an incredible moment. God makes a way when there is no way. 
God makes a way when there is no way. For me, this is such a prophetic moment in scripture because I know that I've done things that God does not approve of. And my sin separated me from God. But God sent his one and only son to tell me all about himself, to die on a cross and rise from the dead and make a way across a chasm that I could not cross on my own. And he provided a way for me to have yet again right relationship with God Almighty. Man, God makes a way when there is no way. And I can imagine that as the Israelites begin to see this parting of the Jordan River, that they thought to themselves, okay, okay, let's do this. Faith probably began to rise in them. But I also love how practical and real the Bible is with us because it describes their crossing in Joshua 4, verse 10. The people hurried over. (laughs) I mean, the presence of God is very clearly seen in the Ark of the Covenant going into the water and the water being held back, but still they're like, son, let's get moving. No, don't look back, let's go. We're walking, we're running, right? And I get it, I get it. What an eerie moment. I mean, they're standing and walking through this 10-foot trench that used to be this rushing river that God has held back the water. And God didn't exactly say how long he was gonna hold back the water for. I mean, it's not like he put a timer in the sky and said, hurry up, three million people, get across. You know, they don't know how long he's gonna hold the water back. So they're hurrying. And yet, at least for these 12 guys that Joshua chose in advance, God has them purposely slow down. Check it out, Joshua 4, 4 through 5. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe. And he said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each one is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of Israel. So in the middle of their uncertainty, in their dangerous situation where they're hurrying God has them stop and pick up huge stones in the middle of the river. And if I was one of these guys assigned to this task, I'd be like, what in the world is this huge dirty rock for? And why do I have to slow down to carry this thing across? I'm gonna be a sweaty mess when we get to the other side. This is gonna take me forever now. Well, Joshua knew they'd have this question. And so he answered the why in verse six and seven. He said, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off and these stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel. And so often when we read this, we like to jump ahead to the end and see all these stones stacked up and be like, that's so amazing, let's worship God. But when Joshua gives this command to these 12 men, they haven't crossed. They are still in a life-risking situation. They don't know how the story ends. They don't even know whether they're gonna be able to make it across the Jordan River. 
And if they do make it across, they don't know if they're going to be able to defeat their enemies. They don't even know if they're going to have descendants to be able to show these rocks to. And yet God says, pick them up. In the middle of the circumstance, in the middle of the stress, in the middle of the fear, pick up your stone of remembrance and gratitude and celebrate what God could do, what he's about to do. And I wanna point out to you, these are not just any basic stones. These are rare stones because not any average person could even get to one. It's only because God split that Jordan River that they could go into the middle and grab these up. These were rare stones, literally from the middle of their pain and the middle of their stress, God provided. In the middle of his provision, God gave them these rocks. Man, we got to slow down, pick up these stones because they do so much for us. Slowing down to pick up these stones is not a strategic military move. It's not. Every military leader knows that you don't celebrate until the victory is won. Otherwise, you may not actually see the victory. And yet he's having them walk into enemy territory with praise already on their lips for the victory that he could win for them. Listen, so often our common sense does not line up with God's way. It does not line up with God's way. So he had them praise, but the victory was even won with these stones of gratitude. And they did cross. And he didn't have them stop praising. In fact, even in their battle in Canaan, in Jericho, all they did was lift their voices and the walls came tumbling down. And God did give them the land flowing with milk and honey that he had promised to them. Here's where this hits home with us. Maybe you're in the middle of a very uncertain situation of difficulty, of pain, of hurt. Maybe money's running low or your children seem to be running away from the faith that you raised them in or your house is just so empty and you don't have a lot of plans this holiday season and you're feeling so lonely right now. Maybe your marriage is not what you intended it to be at all. Maybe one of your loved ones has received a devastating long-term diagnosis. And you wanna believe that God's going to work it all out and uh, lead you to a land flowing with milk and honey, but you don't know yet. You're in the middle of it. You don't know how it's gonna turn out. And God wants you right there in the middle of your unknown and your bad situation to slow down and pick up stones of gratitude and remembrance. Believing God can come through. Gather up some mementos and some stories to praise him in the middle of that difficulty where other people haven't been because they haven't faced the pain that you've been through, the anxiety and stress that you've been through, and they can't worship God like you can because of what you've been through. Pick up your stones of gratitude. Let me tell you, God didn't give this command to the Israelites to force something upon them or you know, make them worship him. He was trying to give something to them, a lot to them. 
And so let me point out to you what these stones of gratitude did for the Israelites so that you can see what they'll do for you. Physically, these stones were a great burden and difficulty to carry across. But what they stood for brought them so much strength and courage that let them know they could defeat their enemy because they just watched their God split the Jordan River. And so they were able to walk with such confidence. And if you pick up your stones of gratitude, they're gonna do the same for you. The stones of gratitude will strengthen your overall emotional and physical health. It's actually a scientific fact that being grateful is good for you. The renowned Mayo Clinic points out that studies have shown that feeling thankful can improve your sleep, your mood, your resistance to sickness. Gratitude can also decrease depression, anxiety, difficulties with chronic pain, and risk of disease. In fact, studies also show that if you keep a gratitude journal, you'll experience fewer headaches, clearer skin, less stomach pain, and reduced congestion all with no weird side effects, like zero risk of side effects. If this was a pill, we'd all be taking it. Stones of gratitude allow you to slow down and find perspective. A simple thank you reminds you that God has been there for you in the best and worst days of your life. That he has been and always will be by your side even in the pain, giving you a promise of eternal victory. And with that mindset, you don't even need to know what the future holds because if the past could talk, it would tell you that God isn't finished yet. Your thankfulness will show you that our God, he's known for faithfulness. And at that point, you can't help but respectfully fear God and experience his comfort and joy because you know how the story ends. He wins and you're right there by his side. Can we give God praise for how faithful he is? Gratitude just doesn't leave you feeling strengthened physically and emotionally, but also leaves you feeling rich. The Israelite people probably felt so under-resourced and poor, especially in comparison to the enemy they were about to go up against. But I bet you that the moment that they started carrying these rare rocks that God had just provided to them by splitting the Red Sea, that they felt so much wealthier and resource than any nation in the world. And they were probably like, bring it on. And actually, Paul the apostle teaches us that gratitude does make us feel wealthy. He says in 1 Timothy 6, 6, yet true godliness with contentment, and that's being grateful with what you have instead of always wanting more, contentment is itself great wealth. This is such an upside down idea. I mean, there's no TED talk on how to get rich that tells you this, right? Paul is saying that working hard doesn't really make you wealthy. Doing life God's way and being happy with whatever he has given you, whether it's a lot or a little, is what truly makes you wealthy. Your stones of gratitude will be your true wealth. And in fact, I believe they're the greatest inheritance that you could ever pass down 
to the next generation. So much better than money that you could pass down. Because what you're doing is giving them stories of how God came through for you when you didn't know how it was gonna turn out, when you were worried and stressed, and that gives your children or your grandchildren so much faith to face on whatever they go through. It's the greatest gift you could give. Over this holiday season, I'm telling you, give the gift of telling a story of gratitude of what God has done in your life. It's time for us to share our stories of gratitude and stack up our stones of remembrance. It's also obvious to me from Joshua 4 that stones of gratitude equip you to survive and even thrive in the difficulties of this life. There's something about gratitude that puts you in such a confident mindset. You're not wrapped up in what you don't have or in in the things that are coming against you. And, And just think about the idea of giving thanks. I mean, you're telling God, I could not have got here without you. You are declaring your dependence upon him. And that gives God the chance to do what only he can do and get full credit for it when he makes a way for you, when there was no way. Now, God isn't gonna come through for you the way that you expect all the time because his ways are higher than our ways. And he has the eternal perspective that we do not have. But you can guarantee yourself this. God will always do what is right by him and is right by you. And he is a faithful God that is good through and through, doing no wrong, which means he's not always gonna choose what you want because we make the wrong choices a lot of times. But if we start constantly complaining about what we don't have or how difficult life is, we're honestly making our difficult situation even harder. You give yourself no chance of thinking about the solution that God could provide for you if you're so focused on the difficulty that's in front of you. Complaining gets you so caught up in the blame game and you get mad at God and stop trusting him. And then you try to handle the situation on your own. And let me tell you, if you try to handle your situation on your own, it's not gonna go well. It would have gone so poorly for the Israelites if they would have handled their situation on their own. They would have been completely defeated. Don't let your complaining cause you to miss out on the victory that God has already arranged for you. Yeah. I wanna say that again. Don't let your complaining cause you to miss out on the victory that God has already arranged for you. Instead, replace your complaints with thanks. And you're gonna find that you're equipped to survive and thrive during the difficulties of life. You're also gonna find that when you lead with thanks, you gain influence. That's what Joshua experienced. In Joshua chapter four, verse 14, it said, Yet that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all of Israel, and they stood in awe of him all the days of his life, just as they had stood in awe of Moses. When you lead with thanks, you gain support and influence. Just think about how your opinion changes about someone when you see them offer gratitude. Doesn't your trust in them, your opinion of them rise? 
I'm telling you, if you begin thanking the Lord at home, in your workplace, in your daily life, you watch and you'll see your children, your employees, and even your bosses trust you more. Listen to what you have to say and give you opportunities they're not giving to other people. So with all these benefits that I've just listed, don't you think it's time to pick up your stones of gratitude and remembrance? It's time to pick them up. I've been picking up mine. And I I don't know how my story ends. Um, But I can tell you what God's done for me in the meantime. And I want to show you the stones I've stacked up in my life. This stone that I've been carrying around, it, it came before I was born. My mom's mom, my grandma, she struggled with alcoholism. And it caused her to be oftentimes an uninvolved, other times uncaring mother. And that's not how I knew her. I knew her as a very generous, kind, loving lady, but that's not the lady that my mom grew up with. And that left my mom with a lot of scars. My grandma's vices left my mom with a lot of doubts in God and a lack of relationship with him. And she tried to move as far away from all that as she could. She moved from Ohio to Georgia to go to college. But God chased her down. And at that college, she met a professor named Penny that would be the one to lead her to salvation in Jesus Christ. And now my mom is the most caring, the most involved. She homeschooled me and my brother from kindergarten all the way to graduation. She was at every baseball game that I went to. She's here today. She'll have to move churches if I start speaking more. She's so caring and loving. And this stone reminds me of the power of salvation. And I watched her life and I heard this story. And I remember thinking to myself, I want a relationship with God like my mom has of God. I remember being in the pew and just hearing her worship God. She would just say over and over, Jesus, 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 Jesus. At first it would make me laugh, but now I look back and I think, man, I just wanna celebrate Jesus like she celebrates Jesus. And now my salvation is affected by the stone of gratitude. Generations are affected by this because I'm, I'm telling my son about Jesus and the power of his salvation. This stone of gratitude came one night at a Relay for Life event. And uh, I got to walk in that with my dad. My dad and my brother, we walked through rows and rows of bags with candles lit with names on them representing people who had lost their lives to cancer. And through tears, my dad reminded us that he could have been represented by one of those candles because he had cancer when I was three years old. But God, and God healed him. And that cancer has not come back in 30 plus years. This stone reminds me so much when a student comes to me and says, I need your prayer, Pastor Ryan. When one of you families comes to me and says, I need your prayer, I pray with such great faith. I pray with such great confidence because this stone has been given to me. And I know with incredible faith that my God heals and my God saves and I have a dad because my God can answer prayers. 
this stone came to Robin and I. One day, we were sitting across the desk from a fertility specialist. Um, we've been married nine years and been trying for five. And that, that fertility specialist told us, man, maybe 5% chance y'all are gonna be able to have kids naturally. You're gonna have to do IVF and all this stuff if you want a shot. And that sent us on a fertility journey of so much pain and so much hurt and deep loss. But also Nathan Samuel Joyner are walking, talking, running around a four-year-old stone of gratitude. And I tell you what, I'm still in the middle of it, Robin and I are so many days. We feel the pain and the disappointment. We so want a sibling for Nate. And we're still praying for that. I don't know how it's gonna turn out. But even in the middle of it, like the Israelites crossing the Jordan, I get thanks. And the other day I was able to remind Nate during a nighttime devotions what his name meant. I said, Nate, you know your name means given by God. And your name's Samuel is given to you because our fertility journey is so similar to Hannah's in 1 Samuel, how he came to be. This stone reminds me that even in the disappointment and the hurt, God is faithful and he is good. Isn't it time that you picked up your stones of remembrance? Look at your neighbor and say, pick up your stones of remembrance. I'm telling you, If you pick up those stones of remembrance, it's gonna give you better health. It's gonna give you wealth, strength to thrive in difficult times, support and influence and victory over your enemies. Pick up your stones of remembrance. If you would, bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're here today and you're going through something, It's an uncertain time for you. It's a difficult moment and you need some gratitude and you just need someone to pray for you. Say, please pray for me. I I want to be thankful. I don't feel thankfulness. I want to start stacking up my stones of remembrance in this hard time. If that's you, will you just raise your hand and say, Pastor Ryan, please pray for me. I'm going through something and I need some prayer and I wanna stack up my stones of gratitude. It's incredible. God, I pray for these men and women in this room. They're in the middle of the crossing. They don't know how it's gonna turn out. But God, I pray in this moment that you fill their mind with all the times that you have been there with them before. God, let them not get caught up in what's coming against them and what they don't have, but let them get caught up in how good you are. Let them be rightly reminded who you are and who they are through their expression of thanks, Father. Let them be encouraged. Let them humbly fear you. And God, let it lead them to an incredible path. Let, them, let us praise you even now for what you could do, for what you're gonna do, for what you have done. We love you, Jesus. And with every head bowed and eyes still closed, maybe you're here in the room and you heard me talking about salvation, about the chasm between you and God and 
and that's you. You feel like there's just such a separation between you and God. You've been messing up. You've been making mistakes and you just want salvation. You wanna be forgiven by Jesus. If that's you and you just wanna be saved and you wanna trust in Jesus for the first time or for the first time in a long time, will you just raise your hand just to say, that's me. I wanna accept Jesus as my savior. It's incredible. If that's you, will you just talk to Jesus? Will you just tell him that you want to believe in him? He's right here and he wants to hear from you. I'll give you an example that you can say to talk to him, but just say something like this in your own words. Dear Jesus, I believe you're so much more than a man. You are God. And I did things you asked me not to do. And now I can't save myself messed up too much. But I believe you died on a cross and you rose from the dead to forgive me. Today, I accept you as my savior. I ask for your forgiveness. Come be in charge of my life. Come lead me. Jesus, we love you so much. We thank you for your salvation. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for these practical incredible stories that we can read about in your word and apply to our lives. Guide us and direct us, Lord. Let us stack up our stones of remembrance and be encouraged today. It's in your name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Can we give a hand clap of praise to our great God? And can we thank God for four total hands raised for salvation today? It's incredible. God is so good. I want to remind you that Pastor's kicking off a new series, a Christmas series. Um, what's it called again? Holy Moments. All right, Holy Moments. I love coming to church during Christmas time. I hope you join us. We have some incredible services for us. So join us for Holy Moments. Um, also, on your way out today, our guest services team has a little river stone for you. I want you to take one of those and just begin to stack up your stones of remembrance and gratitude and thank God as you head out today. As you head out, may I, may I bless you? If you would stand. May God bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Let's give our response. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. You are blessed. Happy Thanksgiving weekend. Take care. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to learn more about North, be sure to check out our website at mountparanorth.com. If you have any questions, you can email us at info at or give us a call at 770-578-9081. And if you're in the Marietta, Georgia area, we'd love to have you join us for worship next Sunday at 945 or 1115 a.m. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.